break camp and advance. It is time. When's the last time you did something that scares you? And I'm not talking about like Sunday scaries, you know, the things you get before you have to go to work the next morning or school the next morning. I'm talking about something that actually pushes you outside of your comfort zone. It makes you just a little bit nervous to do it, but you do it because it's worth it. The risk of doing it, even if you don't know how it's going to end up, is more worth it than never taking the chance at all. I don't know what age this started at, but I wanted to go skydiving since I was a little girl. A little girl. And I always told my dad, I knew that you had to be 18 to go skydiving. So I told my dad, Dad, when I'm 18, we're going skydiving. And he said, okay, okay. And then the next year, Dad, when I'm 18, we're going skydiving. And he's like, okay. And I'm sure by the time like 17 came around and I said it again, he was getting a little bit like, oh my goodness, I'm actually going to have to do this thing. Well, he did. When I turned 18 that morning, my dad and my older sister, Sydney, and I all went skydiving for the first time all together, and we jumped out of that plane. And then again, I don't know why I did it again, um, but I did it again when I was 24. I had a friend who actually used to go here, and she's like, I want to go skydiving. So we went skydiving on a Sunday morning at sunrise and still ended up at church on time. Okay, I was like, if I don't end up at church, you know what happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, and we just walk in. We're like, we just jumped out of a plane. Like, we were just praising Jesus. Like, another level of a spiritual high, I guess. But then I did it again. I'm really, really pushing my luck around here. And at 29, I was in Dubai. And I just decided this is the mecca of skydiving. I have to do it. And I think it just went something, a little something like this. Obviously, I made it. (laughs) I remember sending that text to my dad whenever I made that video. I was like, Dad, look what I just did. And he goes, I didn't know they spoke Spanish in Dubai. (laughs) I was like, what do you mean? He goes, uno, dos, tres. (laughs) I'll never forget that moment. How many of you have been skydiving? How many of you are like, never will I go skydiving? Never. (laughs) Lots of hands, lots of hands. Here's the thing. There's this moment that happens when you're skydiving and you get in that plane and you've committed to it. And you're like, I am doing this. I'm going on an adventure. And then you start going up a little bit higher and you're like, I can do this. This is still okay. And then you keep going and you're like, this should be about the time we jump out. And then they keep going higher and higher and higher. They're like, oh, we still have about 4,000 more miles to go up or whatever it is. I'm like, what? I don't think that's correct. Okay, but anyways, (laughs) moving on, moving on. The Lord knows my heart. The Lord knows my heart. And so we're up there, and then they open the door, and you just get this gush of cold air at your face. And they're just like, are you ready? So you're strapped into someone else, right? And you're looking out, and they're like, if you don't want to go, you don't have to. They're still saying, you still have to pay them, okay? But, like, you don't have to jump out at this point. You can go back down with them. And I'm just like... We're doing it. What the weird thing was is the third time was the scariest time for me. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. I think when we get older, we start thinking about all of the things we shouldn't really be doing. Then when you're 18, you're like, life's so fun and ahead of me. And then 29, you're like, oh, no. This could go very badly. And so you're up there, and then you decide, do you want to jump? Do you want to take the risk? Do you want to push out? You're already in the plane. You're strapped in. You've paid for it. But are you wanting and willing to jump out? I'm wondering this morning if some of you are standing right there on the edge of the plane 
and that door is open up and you're feeling the cold air and God's saying it's time to jump. Trust me. You're strapped on to me. I've got you. I know what it takes. I know what the elevation, those parachutes need to go up. I know what happens if that one chute doesn't go up and we need to pull the other one. I know how to untangle it. I know how to do all of it. What I need you to do is tell me, are you ready to jump? You lean forward, kick your legs back, and let me take you to where I want you to go. In our passage this morning, it's in Deuteronomy 1. If you want to go ahead and turn there. The Israelites, they're found in this place where God is telling them it is time to break camp and advance. And they have a choice to make. They've been in the wilderness now for 40 years. We're going to enter into this passage. It is the 40th year, the 11th day of the 11th month, which is about January or February. And this is Moses speaking to the people, to this next generation By the way, Deuteronomy is one of my favorite books. I know we don't go to the Old Testament a ton. Deuteronomy is amazing. I love it. Deuteros means two, second, onomy, law. That's the second law. So it's not the the second time he's, it's the second time he's giving the law. So Moses wrote, or is credited, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The first five books of the Bible. This is the Pentateuch, the Torah. This is the last one, Deuteronomy. This is before Moses dies. This is his farewell address. He gives three different addresses in here, and he starts it out to this next generation. And we go in in verse 6, and it reads this. The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, you have stayed long enough. You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples in the Arabah, in the mountains, in the western foothills, in the Negev, and along the coast to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. So 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, and when they were wandering, what they would do is they would build these tents everywhere that they went. And in those camps that they would build, um, in the middle of it would be the tabernacle where the, where the Lord, where his glory was. And so he would be in the middle of it. They would have three tri- tribes camped on the south, three on the east, west, north. I know I got those out of order too. But either way, three, 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 and three. And everywhere they go, that's how they set up. But Lord would lead them by day it would be a cloud. <laughs> I'm sorry. I gotta fix this. So in the day the Lord would lead them by a cloud, and at night it would be a pillar of fire. And when his glory was like, this is time, it's time to leave. It's time to advance. He would move in front of them. They would have to pack up and go in a moment. Sometimes they would be there for a day, sometimes they would be there much longer. Okay, so they would be in these tents and these tabernacles and they would have to pick up and they would move and they would pick up and they would move and they never knew how long they would be staying there. As we've mentioned a few times before, my dad actually um, created this thing called Ethos. And I'm pointing over here because it's the bag that has our Ethos logo on it. And I got the option, the opportunity to do this as a student and as a leader. So this is a trip that you would go on. The kids would have no idea what was going on. No clue what they were doing. The parents would know. The leaders would know. The students had no idea. And I remember (laughs) the one that I got to be a student on. I always tried to guess what we were doing by reading my dad. All the students would come up to me and be like, what do you think that your dad's doing? And I'm just like, I think we're going here. Yeah, yeah. And we were like the popular kids just because I felt like I knew what I was doing. And so I would be telling them this. And then one night we stayed up super late. And then we had to get up and leave really early the next morning. And I was exhausted. I had learned my lesson. And so we got up. We went on the move. We had this full day. And we ended up back in downtown Phoenix at the end of the day. We're in this yard with a gate around it. We get out of the van. And you know what they hand us? A piece of cardboard. And they said, this is where you're sleeping tonight. So I took that cardboard and I laid straight down and I have a 
proof to show it. I've passed out so fast. I was like, you never know when we're going to leave again. I am going to bed right now. It's like 115 out, and I just did not even care. That's my older sister and my pretty much adopted older sister, Joni, on the other side. We were out. I think Joni's actually making fun of us. I think she's laughing. But either way, (laughs) always ready to advance, always ready to move. We had learned our lesson. We need to be ready to go at all times. And this is what the Israelites were feeling whenever they were in the desert with the Lord. And he was, look, he was training them to release control, to let go, and to listen. In these verses, there's something we talk about here, and it's called um, Uncommon, and our Uncommon training. And there's something we do where we move through our location, our vehicle, our route, our route, our vehicle, and our destination. And what's amazing is that whenever you learn this process, now that I read scripture, I see it all the time. And in these verses, we'll go from where you are, how to get there, and your destination. And so what's the first thing you need to know when you're going on a trip? Where you, I told you the answer. Where you are, where you are. Because like when you take your map out in your phone, Even if you put the destination in, it cannot tell you how to get there until you push your own location. You need to know where you are starting. And they are starting in the town or their camp of Horeb at the bottom of a mountain. And they stayed there for two years. Or they stayed there for one year. They They were wandering for 38. They were there for one year. And then in the 40th year, God says it's time to break camp in advance. They were safe for a year. They were settled for a year. They found routine in a year. They felt comforted because they knew that they were right next to Mount Sinai where Moses had gotten the Ten Commandments. They knew the area. They were comfortable. They were set. And God's saying it's time to move on from where you are. Horeb actually means desolation. Barren. Lifeless. You have stayed here long enough. The bitterness you are holding on to is lifeless. You have stayed here long enough. It is time to move on. It is time to advance. The relationship that you might be in, and I'm not talking about marriage, and you know that there are stipulations around that. I get it. But sometimes there are relationships that are not producing fruit. There are jobs that are not producing fruit. There are actions in our lives that are not producing fruit. It is a desolation. It is our Horeb. And God is saying, you have been here long enough. You've learned what you could in this season. You've gotten what you can. You've understood. And they were taught in their ways. As the Israelites were there, they were actually taught the law. They were understood, so they learned in that moment, but now it's no longer producing fruit. So God says, break camp and advance. So they know their position. They're in this place of desolation. And until we can get to the place and the location where our desolation is absolutely unacceptable, it will be very difficult for us to move into the direction of our destination. So we've got to identify what is this thing right here that is not producing fruit in my life so that we can move forward because God is saying it is time. It is time to identify the position because God wants us to move. The next verse, in verse 7, he says to break camp and advance. So you've stayed here long enough. Break camp and advance. And I'm about to do something that I have wanted to do for years. Anybody have a guess? There's a thing called a ladder. (laughs) He uses this, my dad uses this illustration all of the time. And when I read this scripture, I couldn't not see a ladder. Because so often there's this Horeb that we get to and we're like, okay, we've been here for a year, but God is saying it is time to advance. It's time to move. But that causes pain. And I'm here to tell you that just because there's pain, that doesn't mean there's not progress. Just because it's not pleasant doesn't mean that he's not putting you in a process to get you to where he wants you to be, which is more than you could actually think, ask, or imagine. 
And what's amazing is that that land that they mentioned later on, all of that land, that promised land, is about 300,000 square feet that they have never occupied in history. That's why there's so many wars in the Middle East because of the land that they were promised. At max, they say about 30,000 during the reign of Solomon. They had all of this to go, and yet they stopped and they stopped along the way. And I'm wondering how often we get to these places And we move up because now we've given our life to Christ and now we've stepped up and now we've made those hard decisions and now we go to church all the time and now we give all the time and now and now and now. But then God's asking for something else and you're like, I don't, if you're gonna ask that of me, I'd rather go down to that rung, actually. It was more comfortable down here. But he's asking us to advance, to keep moving up, to keep going for what he has for us. And I believe that the Lord has shown me four things this morning that we'll go into that I believe is keeping us from breaking camp and advancing into everything that he has for us. The first thing is comfort. So our world, our society wants us to be comfortable. It is like every ad that's coming to you, every, everything that's, every, social media posts, it wants you to be comfortable and it wants you to time save and it wants you to just be as cozy as you can be because the enemy wants you to be apathetic. Because if you can be apathetic, then you don't have that desire to fight for those things. You don't have a desire to change. And the thing is, is that if you don't have a desire to change, this is going to be very difficult to read because it's all about transformation. And it's not by works although it is an outflow of that, but it's about this transformation. I am transformed, but I am what? Being transformed. It's this process. So so the world comes in and it wants us to be so stuck in our comforts, so stuck in this place that we get captive to where we don't even want to move. I went to, um, I taught English in South Korea for a little bit. And when I was going over there, I had no idea who I was going to meet, what I was going to do. Um, I did not know one person who was going. I had never taught English. I had never actually taught a class, which was hilarious um, that they let me go. But ASU, Fortcom, they just let us do whatever we want over there. And they're like, get out of here. You get your degree. All right. Am I wrong? I'm not. Okay. And so I go over there to South Korea, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be over there for six weeks. I don't even know the weather. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I don't know what teachers wear. And so I pack all of these, I'm not kidding, these suitcases. Exactly. This is only a new backpack, but these suitcases. And I'm like, I wonder how much everyone else is going to (laughs) bring. Well, I show up, and everybody else showed up, which is one of these in a backpack. All right, so I'm the girl with two full suitcases, an extra bag, and a backpack because I didn't want to be unprepared. And what I realized over time is that I was wanting the comforts of home. I didn't know where I was going, so I wanted to bring all my stuff with me to make me feel comfortable. The problem with that is moving through a subway in Seoul carrying, these were packed full. I actually had to pay money because they went overweight. Okay. (laughs) These were packed full. And we were on our way. We were leaving Seoul. I had somehow dragged it all around the country. We were teaching in the south part. And we were leaving, and we had to hurry to get to our flight. We get to the subway, and we could not find an elevator. There was not an escalator anywhere. These flights of stairs were like massive. They're not just like, oh, there's one flight. I'm talking, it's like flight, 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 all the way down to the ground. And I'm looking at it like, oh no, (laughs) I should have brought my ethos bag, you know? I was like, I should have just packed one. (laughs) I was looking at it and I'm like, well, there's a motto in our family. If you can't, if you can't carry it, you can't bring it, okay? So I'm like, let's do this thing. And there's like, oh, I'm like in the middle of Korea. I'm like this totally standing out and I'm like, yeah! 
out. And I'm like running down and I'm like, I used to be an athlete. And I'm like taking everybody's bags. And I was with a bunch of girls who could not lift their bag. So guess who got to carry their bag? This girl, okay? No one wanted to help us, but it was actually kind of fun because they have these mirrors. In, in Korea, there are mirrors everywhere. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> it's fantastic. Except it gives you what they call shiny mirror syndrome. So you're always looking at yourself. So it's like I was running down the stairs like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm so strong. And then I realized I get to the airport, get on the plane. I'm exhausted. I'm actually in pain. I'm sweaty. I'm disgusting. And I have a long flight back to Phoenix. baggage. All because I wanted to be comfortable. This baggage that was heavy on me, yes, you can walk with the baggage in your life. You can carry it. You can push through, but I'm telling you, you'll be exhausted. You will be in pain. You will be gross. (laughs) You are carrying things that you were never meant to carry just because you still want to stay comfortable. You are in relationship. I know that I was in a relationship at one point that I just wanted to be comfortable. It was more comfortable for me to stay in that relationship than to end it and move on with what God had in store for me. Because I didn't want to deal with what was happening right in front of me. I just wanted to look the other way because I was comfortable there. Even though it was painful and even though I was going through things, I was more comfortable because I didn't know what it would look like if I gave it up. The crazy thing is is that once that relationship had ended, God opened up all of these doors for me. I mean, I'm just telling you one thing after the next, after the next, and what if I never got out of this? Nothing on that person, they're amazing. I'm just saying, what if it's not right for you? What if you're in something that is just so comfortable? Or maybe it's a job that you're like, I I feel like God's moving me out of this, but I'm just so comfortable here. I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know what it's going to look like on the other side. People's approval, success, making money. Maybe food is your comfort. I did an internship in South Africa, and I gained 10 pounds in six weeks. (laughs) Because food was my comfort when I was there. And they cook everything in margarine, so that'll do it. You know what I mean? (laughs) A comfort. What is it that you are clinging to instead of breaking camp? What is this thing that you're clinging to that is not producing fruit in your life? Maybe it is alcohol that you're clinging to as your comfort. Pornography. Money. It's your comfort. It just, as long as you have that, you're going to be okay. And God's saying, no, it is time to break camp and advance from that. That is not your comfort. I am your comforter. I have more for you. So much more for you. If you would just let that go and let me take care of it and you move on and I'm going to give you more than what you just gave up. He gives us more in a new way, in a different way, in an abundant way. And I'm also going to guarantee you it's an adventurous way. The great adventure. If we just move past our comfort. We're in the season of Lent. (laughs) To give up some of our comforts as a reminder of what's ahead. That's Easter in two weeks. You have 14 days, you can still do Lent. If one of those things, you're like, I find this as a comfort, maybe just try giving that up to sacrifice. The second thing is our routines. God comes in and disrupts things, does he not? Does he not? So they're here and they're in their routine and they are just in Right by the mountain of Horeb, they're like, we've got it all. We've got it figured out. We know who's taking out the trash. We know who's cooking the meals. We know what time to go to the temple. We know where everyone lives now. We've been here for a year. And God says, it's time to move. Any disruptions happening around here lately? Something called COVID, okay? (laughs) Something, I know everybody's tired of talking about it, but it is the greatest disruption that has happened in our lives collectively that we can remember. Guess how long it's been? A year. A year ago this Sunday was our first time ever going live. 
We had never gone live before that. We figured it out that week. It was craziness around here. And it just disrupted everything, but none of us had any option to stay back to where this was. In our old normal, we actually had to break camp in advance. God uses disruptions in our lives, and they're not always punishment, but that it pushes us into a new place so we can learn more about his character, learn more about him. He allows those things to happen. I'm not saying that he made it happen. I don't know how he wanted to do that, but he has allowed it to happen because he can bring good out of it. Our routines. Church, it's time that we advance. It's time that we get out of the routine. We can't do church as normal anymore. We cannot go back to what it was. We will not go back to what it was. And guess what? It's an exciting thing. And we have no idea what we're doing. (laughs) But what we do know is a person. And his name is Jesus. And he does not change. He does not move. He does not do those things. When we know who he is and we know who that is, no matter the circumstances around us, no matter the routines in our lives that have been disrupted, he remains the same. A divine disruption. To release control. I think some of us, especially in our Western society, have a control issue. We have our time set aside. We know exactly what we're doing. We have our time savers for us so that we can do more things and we control all these things. So then when one person interrupts our day, we are thrown off. Anybody? Oh, I'm, a, I'm such a dad. He's like, you? Okay. <laughs> I am such a planner. And so when it comes to somebody being like, can you do this? I'm like, <sighs> what would Jesus do? You know, that type of thing. To be interrupted, a divine interruption. You know, Jesus was the master of handling interruptions. I think of the woman in Mark 5, one of my favorite stories, is the woman who was bleeding for 12 years. But Jesus was in the middle of this crowd, and they were all coming in on him, and it was super crowded. And Jairus, one of the leaders, came and asked him, he's like, my daughter is about to die. Will you come and heal her? So this whole crowd is like going with Jesus onto Jairus' house to heal his daughter. And this woman comes out of nowhere and touches his robe, just the edge of his cloak. And he's like, wait, the power just went out from me. And he stopped in the middle, turned, and said, who was it that touched me? And she confessed what she did because that would make him unclean and it wasn't something she was ceremonially allowed to do. And he saw her and he said, you are healed daughter, my daughter, get up. My daughter, he took the time and then guess what? He turned and he kept back onto the road. And guess what? The daughter had died in the meantime because Jesus took an interruption to bring life and light and healing to this woman over here. Jairus' daughter died over here. Like, well, that's not fair. He was already headed there. Well, he still went there. And he's like, oh, wait, wait, wait. I know the end of this story. And he continued, and he went on, and he healed his daughter, and he said, daughter, arise, get up, you are healed. So Jesus takes these moments in these routines where he would be going, and he's like, no, I'm not seeing this as an inconvenience. I'm seeing this as an opportunity to give life and light. Sometimes we are so stuck in our routine here at Horeb, our routine here that when God says break camp, when God says go serve these people, when God says go bring them a meal, when God says start that new job, when God says start that podcast, start that job, whenever God says those things, we're like, well, this actually doesn't fit into my schedule. (laughs) If you want to Be healthier. You're going to have to go to the gym. You're going to have to eat different. It's going to interrupt your routine. God is saying it is time to move. It is time to move. When it doesn't feel convenient, it's time to move to bring life to those around you. Speaking of moving, my parents moved us here when we were young from Texas. That was not their routine. That was not something they probably were looking to do. But God interrupted their normal life, what they had figured out around their families, around their parents. Who was taking care of the kids? 
Because God said, move. Break camp and advance. Fast forward all of these years later, we would not be here if they didn't say yes in that moment. If they held on to their routine, we wouldn't be here. If they held on to their routine, my sisters wouldn't have the husbands that they have. My brother's getting married in two weeks. He wouldn't have found summer. These are the things that wouldn't have happened if my parents, I'm just wondering where my husband is. Maybe we need to move again. <laughs> Light bulb. Okay. He is not here in Phoenix. <laughs> Lord send. Okay. Maybe he needs to move here. All right. I'm moving on back to the scriptures. Okay. <laughs> It's imperative that we say yes, even though it's scary, even though we're not sure what's going to happen. We can now look back years down from the road and see what God did when we just said yes. I'm going to break out of my comforts. I'm going to break out of my routines. And I'm just going to go for it, having no idea what's going to happen. But knowing who's telling me to go, who I'm strapped onto, saying yes to looking out of that side of an airplane being like, uh oh, <laughs> this could go badly, but I know the one who's holding me. The third thing is lack of faith. Moses is talking in uh, Deuteronomy 1 at the end of it, just 19 verses later, he mentions why they were at Horeb in the first place after 40 years. He mentions this story of in Numbers 12. And he sends out the 12 spies. So they've already been delivered from Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. They've ended up at Horeb, okay, right after. And God's saying, okay, we're going, we're going to the promised land. They get to Kadesh Barnea, which is an 11-day journey. Mind you, just think of this. 11-day journey from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea, the gateway to the promised land. 11 days, that's all it took. When they got there, they were like, okay, the promised land's right there, but we're going to send out a couple of spies because I know that God said we should go take it, but I'm not sure what it looks like. Who's there? What are we going to run into? They send 12 spies into the land because Moses said, well, sounds like a good idea. Let's go ahead and do that. All of them came back and said that it's great land. And they came back with grapes so big that they had to carry it on these poles. Like if you look at the Israel tourism sign it's like two people with a pole and massive grapes okay that's how huge the grapes are okay and they're coming back and they're like this is great land and they're like should we take it and 10 of them go no no there's some giants in there I, I'm not sure if we can defeat them I'm not sure if we can do it should we do it and Caleb and Joshua the only two who said yes let's go the Lord is with us he will fight for us but the majority took them over and said, no, we're not going. And because of their rebellion, because of their disobedience, because of their lack of faith, of who was carrying them, who was fighting for them, they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until all of that generation that did not trust him had passed away. Only two from that got to go in, and Joshua and Caleb. And that's why they were back here at Horeb. In Deuteronomy 1, 26 through 27, it reads this, but you were willing to go up, and this is Moses talking about the ones who did, did not go when God told them to. He says, but you were willing to go up. You rebelled against the command, the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, the Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorite to destroy us. On to verse 31, it says, There you saw the Lord your God carry you as a father carries his son all the way until you reach this place. In spite of this, you did not trust the Lord your God. What I get immediately from that picture is actually when kids used to like, I think they all still probably do it, they act like they're asleep in the car, and then the, the parent has to carry them in. Do you know what I'm saying? They're like, okay, I mean, I did this all the time on the couch. We acted at the end of the night, we pretended we were asleep, so my dad had to carry us to bed. Because for some reason, all of a sudden, we didn't want to walk. It was so interesting. I don't understand it. But it was like there was something about knowing that your dad or your mom would just come and pick you up, even if, I think they knew most of the time, 
Am I right? That you're awake? Okay, they know when you're awake and when you're asleep, but still just knowing that they will pick you up and carry you and put you into this place of safety. God had carried them all the way as a father carries his son into this place of safety, into this place of the promised land, and now he's saying, now go and walk, go and break camp, and they're like, ah, the Lord hates us. What you believe about God What you believe God believes about you, it matters because it will determine the steps that you take. If you think that God hates you, you're for sure not stepping out into that promised land. You're for sure not breaking camp because you know where you are right here. You're fine. You're safe. You don't need God over here in your comfort and in your routine. You don't need faith over here. But God's saying it is time And I believe he's used this season that we've been in this last year to say, get out of your comforts. Get out of your routines. This is not about the physical realm. This is about a spiritual realm. This is about an eternal life that you have. And if you have it, then you need to be telling everyone else that they can have the joy that comes with it too. To have the faith to step out. It's something I've been struggling with so much this year, and that's why I get so passionate about it, is because I was feeling barren. I was feeling lifeless. I was like, Lord, I can't hear you. Lord, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I'm in the Word every morning. I'm in prayer. I'm going to church. I'm doing these things, but I feel nothing. Where are you? Where are you? I, I knew you were back there, but if I keep stepping out, I'm afraid that you're not, you're not going to catch me, and I don't want to. I'm, I'm up here now, but I actually just want to go back here where I know at least I used to hear you back here. So I didn't take steps of faith because what I thought God was going to do, he didn't do it the way I thought he was. <laughs> What our leaders told us would happen didn't happen the way we thought it would. (laughs) And so it creates this distrust, this understanding of, of being like, okay, maybe I actually can't trust anything anyone ever says anymore. And we start to project that on God, and then we start to think, well, God just hates us because we have to live through this. In actuality, we see that obstacle. God sees it as an opportunity for us to grow, for us to fight for us to get stronger. And we're thinking that that obstacle he's placed in front of us is actually because he hates us. And it's not the truth. It's because he loves you that he has battles in front of you. So that you can learn to depend on him, that you can learn of why he has created you. And it wasn't until I stepped out in January of this last year, or this year, I went to a conference and I had to speak at this girls' conference and I told the Lord, like, I don't think I can do this because I don't even know if I'm like, I shouldn't get on a stage if I haven't felt like I heard from you. And the only thing that I heard him say was, trust me. And I, I, I just, I didn't know what else to do. So I walked in faith. I, I walked out. I, I spoke with the girls. And by doing that, it broke off of me. By doing that, by stepping out in faith, all of a sudden I got courage again. All of a sudden I got strength again. All of a sudden I remembered why God created me, why God brought me from the pit that I was in, about to take my own life, because all these years later I'm going to be speaking life over teenage girls who had told me they never had experienced the Holy Spirit like that in their lives. And it's worth everything. What if I said no? What if I said no to going and those girls missed it? What if you said no to coming to church and pouring into the people around you or serving in the children's ministry because you've kind of been feeling like you should, but you're like, no, no, no. We're missing great adventures when we say no to what God has for us. And that leads me to the last point, and I already dipped into it, it's disobedience. Just full out disobedience of what God has asked us to do. And I know it's not a nice one to end on. I get that. But James 4, 7 says this. 
If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So knowing what you should be doing but you don't do it, or knowing what you should do, what you shouldn't be doing, but still keep doing that to you is sin. And God's saying it's time to break camp from that. (laughs) Those things that are holding us back, those things that you know that you shouldn't be doing but you're doing anyway, or the thing that you know God told you to do to go help those people, to start that business, to write that book, whatever it might be, and you're like, no, not yet, no, no. We know that delayed obedience is what? Still disobedience. But guess what? We serve a God As Moses writes, he is compassionate, abounding in love, forgiving, and slow to anger. (laughs) Hallelujah. Anyone around here thankful for that? I did this for years. I said no to God. I said no to to moving towards what he had for me. I said, no, I'm not doing it. I want to live the way that the world is because this is going to take too much effort. I'm going to lose too many friends. And so what happens is when I finally said yes and I had to step up on that rung, I lost friends. I stopped going to places I used to go. I couldn't go party anymore. I had to stop drinking. There were so many things that I had to do in that space that I could not do because I had to separate myself so that I could focus on him. And then I got good and steady here, and then I, had to say, I got to say yes to starting here at renovation. <laughs> a part-time job. Actually, I don't think I was paid at first, and then part-time job, and then full-time. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Hey. Okay. <sighs> now that I'm up here, hey. Okay. And it moved me into this space, but then when I, I was not sure what I was even doing. I was working in the office. I was doing a little bit of outreach. And honestly, Josiah, I probably tell you, we didn't know what I was doing most of the time. <laughs> I was just like, hello, everyone. Okay. And then all of a sudden, someone, I started saying yes to helping with women's ministry. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just helping coordinate it. And then Meredith Laddie and my mom both said, this is an intergenerational church. You need to be teaching too. I was scared out of my mind. And it was only like twice during the study that I was really like teaching. But I said yes. And then I realized I was called to speak in that moment. I realized that by saying yes, God was taking me to the next level, taking me to the next level. And as I was moving up here, there were things and people, things I had to stop watching, things I had to do and actually spend more time in the Word, spend more time doing the things that God had called me to do so that I could stay focused and not fall off of this ladder. (laughs) And then I was called to preach. And then I was called to go into these conferences. Our stories look different. Our stories look different than mine. Hallelujah, because we don't need a bunch of me running around. Everybody can finally say amen. Okay, amen and amen. But it is time that we say yes, not the no, because when we say no in disobedience, we're missing out of the blessing of our yes. And what happens in verse 8, he says, now go, see, see the land that I have given you and go in and take possession of the promise. God has good things in store for you. God has a purpose for your life. God, he has joy for you and peace for you. And he wants to show you how adventurous life could be if you would just say yes to moving forward. And if he asks us to go beyond where we are now, it's for a higher possibility. We might not see the advantage at first, but God knows the end result. And so as we close this and the band can come up, it's time that we take possession of the promise that God has for us, those visions that God has given you, that idea of what you want to be or what what God has put on your heart to do, it is time to move forward in that. It's time to forgive someone. It is time to start showing up consistently for your friends and truthfully to church. We need you. I need you. 
And the beauty of what we say yes to and finding the beautiful adventure that we all get to be a part of when we keep showing up and saying yes to when God says break camp in advance. You know what happened is Moses says this to Joshua. And then Joshua in Joshua 6, 7, as they are advancing into the promised land and they see these massive walls of Jericho, do you know what he says? Advance. Advance. March around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Lord, the ark of the Lord. Advance. This is a generational thing. When you say yes here, you don't know who else is going to say yes because they saw you say yes. What is the scariest thing you've done in a while? When is the last thing, time you've done something that scares you? On March 24th, 2013, my parents said yes. There was a lot of other work that had to be done, but we opened the doors to this church eight years ago this Wednesday. To break camp and advance the kingdom of God here in Phoenix. know that four years later and four years ago this weekend I would give my first sermon because they said yes I said yes and I knew how to say yes because I was surrounded by people who said yes to God's adventure yes God loves risk takers you want to be different in this world? Be a risk taker. Everybody's all comfy in their houses. Let's go tear the world apart being risk takers for Jesus. <laughs> Quote me on that. <laughs> Saying yes to the promise. Yes to break camp. Because Jesus broke camp for us. We can break through anything that we're going through. See, Jesus... <laughs> the ultimate pioneer, the ultimate breaking camper, if that's a thing. He was in heaven and he opted out of heaven. He broke camp and said, you know what? I'm gonna come to earth and I'm gonna be a baby in a manger in a barn. And I'm going to live this perfect sinless life, but I'm going to be hurt along the way. I'm going to be betrayed along the way. I am going to have heartache along the way. I'm going to feel as they feel, fully man and fully God. And he broke camp and we only saw him at age 12 and he broke camp and he went to the temple. He literally broke camp from his mother. He, his mom lost him because <laughs> he's like, I gotta go to my father's house. And then we don't see him again until he's 30 and he's on the scene and, and now he's a rabbi. He's, he's entering into this place of public ministry. He broke camp out of those shadow years into ministry. One after another, step after step, he broke camp all the way until three and a half-ish years later, three years later. He's in a garden of Gethsemane after he did the Last Supper with his disciples and he knows the cross is right before him. He knows it. See, we don't usually know what's before us. See, Jesus knew what was coming. He knew the pain, the heartache, all that it was gonna take for him. He knew what was happening and he still said yes. He said, not my will, but yours be done, Lord. But he did say, if possible, please take this from me. Anybody ever ask the Lord that, if possible, would you just please take this from me, but not my will, yours be done, because if he could break camp and push through that, and he could go to the cross, and then all of a sudden he broke camp, he went to the cross, and he bore our shame and our pain and our heartache. So that we didn't have to, we don't have to. And he went into the grave for three days, and then he broke camp out of the tomb so that we could have life. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says this, Therefore, 
Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us throw off everything that easily entangles, or easily entangles. Am I just not remembering this right? Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the advancer of our faith. He did it so we could do it. He said yes so we can say yes. This is good news for all of us and an opportunity to advance into the adventure that he has for you. If everyone can stand with us as we close. It's time. Church, it is time to break camp and advance. Wherever your Horeb is, it has been here long enough. You have been here long enough. You've been in depression long enough. You've been in anxiety long enough. You've been in pain, unforgiveness, insecurity long enough. It is time to break camp and to advance and possess the promise. Position, progression, possess the promise of life and of healing and of restoration today. And maybe there's something stirring in your heart that you know that God has been asking you to do for a very long time. And today is the day that you say yes. Today is the day you say yes. Not because you know what's coming, but you know who's holding you when you do it. So what, when is the last time that you've done something that scared you? Maybe for you it's saying yes to Jesus today. Because you don't know what that entails. But it is the best yes you will ever speak in your life. And I didn't know that until I said it. It's weird. It's like once you say it, then you're like, wow, now I know it. It's true. It's true. And he has so much more for you. And so today as we close in our song, I'm just going to, we haven't had altars open in a long time And I know that we're in a different season, but if you're comfortable coming up here and you're like, it's time for me to break camp and just commit to the Lord down here on these altars and just say, yes, I'm going to do the thing you've been telling me to do. I'm going to stop saying no. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. I'm going to walk in faith and believe that God has got me. The altars are open. If you would like someone to pray with you, I say go over to this side. So if you don't mind, and if you don't, then you can come over to this side. And we're just going to sing and just go as, a, as the Lord leads you. And I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to close. So Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time. I pray that you impress on our hearts the very thing that you have in store for us today to locate ourselves, whether it's in a place of comfort that we've got to move out of, a place of routine that we've got to break. Maybe it's in our lack of faith with you, Lord that we need to build trust. Show us those areas. And Lord, maybe it's just disobedience. We know what we should do or we know what we shouldn't be doing yet. We haven't been doing it, Lord, and we know it. Highlight those things, embolden those things. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts so that we can see the very one thing, just one thing today, not all the things, one thing that you're asking from us today, Lord. We lay it down at your feet. We lay it down at the altar and entrust you with the future of it. We love you, Lord, and we praise things.